Weekend Show with Ken Kidney. Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to yet another edition of The Weekend Show. My name is Ken Kidney, and I am joined by my groundbreaking co-host, Garrett. Say hello, Garrett. Why, hello there. I love the way you change it every week. I'm groundbreaking this week. Yeah. I wonder if people notice that. I wonder if people notice I say hello differently every week. Tweet us and tell us if you do, at TWSKK. Anyway, let's get on with it. Coming up on the show this week, we bring you the week in words, as always. We give you our picks from around the web in NetPicks. And in our spotlight, we talk the best and the worst of tween movies and sitcoms. But before we get to all that greatness, Gar, how was your week? Any strange or wonderful observations for our listeners? I was going to just talk about Gravity Falls this weekend because Gravity Falls is back on Monday. Everything is different now. No one gets that because no. no one watches Gravity Falls. Except anymore. us. Well, I've fallen out of... You only watched about half of the first season and stopped. I don't know why. I really love it. It's so good. It's like the best show on TV. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It just kind of like, it, it just like slips my mind. And I remember it's like, I have to start watching it again. And then I forget again. And it's amazing. It's gotten even better. And there's like a bunch of really good cliffhangers. And uh, and it's coming back on Monday. And I really want to watch it again. Uh, created by Alex Hirsch, starring uh, Kristen Schaal and Jason Ritter. But again, yesterday, they announced the Gravity Falls game for 3DS. <laughs> Gareth's been flipping out on Twitter about this. I have. This has been the best thing ever to happen. It's essentially just a platformer with Mabel and Dipper running through the world. But I want it so badly. There seems to be a puzzle-solving element in there as well. I hope so, because that's, that's kind of true to the show. There's kind of mystery elements and puzzle elements yeah. which kind of work in line with what the show is. But Alex Hirsch is doing some of the, the art for the game. Yeah, the style is actually uh, like the same as the video game, which I quite like. Yeah, it looks they didn't ex- they didn't try to three D eyes them. It looks exactly like the cartoon, except just playing a cartoon. That's so cool. I want it so badly. So Gravity Falls is back this week, and that excites me. And there's a Gravity Falls game coming by the end of the year, and that excites me. How was your week this weekend? <laughs> well, Gareth, thank you for asking. Finally, um, you know, the, I got I'm trying to get fit this week, trying to get back into fitness because the summer's half gone. And I was like, I'm gonna get fit for the summer, and then before you know it, it's, it's July, yeah, July, August, and it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I started doing yoga. As we speak, I'm in moderate pain so that's not bad you see when you go back to yoga is fine when you're like in a rhythm of things but when you go back to it it hurts like hell yeah it's just like and i feel so stupid because like i just as you get the hang of it and you stop and then like it feels like you have to learn it all over again yep. and you feel like you're not doing any of it right but uh yeah so i'm on the fitness trail again gary we, we've had in the icebreaker chat which we call this on the script there's a bit of a insider knowledge uh, we spoke about in recent weeks how I've been seeking a promotion. I found out recently. I didn't get it. Boo! I know. That's the end of the saga. Um, yeah, the, the hire Ken hashtag did not work. Hire, like, yeah, nobody no, like nobody, like took up my hashtag, Gary. Yeah, it's our hashtag activism is going nowhere. Yeah. Follow us at TWSKK. Or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. Please. We're just plugging the, we've plugged the social media twice so far. Uh, this is the only avenue I have now. My, my, I, I haven't got the promotion. I need this to work out. Everything goes into the podcast. Um, other than that, it's my birthday this week. Um, it's your birthday on Monday, Ken. Yeah. And Gravity Falls is back on Monday. I'm sorry, but my priority is Gravity Falls. Coincidence. It's like, oh, it's a birthday present for Ken. They're trying to get back you back to watching it. Just like, Ken, it's your birthday and we released your, one of your favorite cartoons. Remember us? Come back to us, Ken. Watch it, Ken. 
big news this week, Kara. I, I actually didn't know about this until you sent it to me. There's a release date for the new series of Doctor Who. Yep, September 19th. Yes, and there was a trailer on YouTube, and you checked it out, and I checked it out after you sent it to me. Uh, there wasn't much buzz about it, actually. I, didn't, like, I, have, I know a lot of Who fans, and I didn't see a lot of people talking about it until after you said it to me. Because it would have been released during Comic-Con, I'd imagine, which is on at the moment in the US, which I always wanted to go to Comic-Con. Apparently, it's really hard to get tickets, and it's almost impossible to get into the panels. And you spend most of the time queuing, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I read this morning, J.J. Abrams sent donuts to the people queuing for the Star Wars con- uh, uh, panel. That's a nice touch. It is. But it's nice. Back to Doctor Who. We had a trailer. Yes. Didn't give much away. Little bits and pieces. Like, um, like I suppose like some people might think it's a spoiler. Missy, a.k.a. the Master, is back. Oh, by the way, stop this thing or fast forward if you want to hear any of this. Yeah, go back and watch the trailer yourself. Yeah. But uh, Missy, a.k.a. the Master, is is back. Apparently. Well, we all thought she would be back. And I think it was confirmed a few months ago that yeah. I think she confirmed that she would be back. Yeah, so it's not any news there. One of the shots, I'm not entirely certain, but based on the previous depictions, I think one of the shots shows the Citadel of, of Gallifrey, they, like the main city. They've got to wrap up the Time Wars thing at this stage, don't yeah. they? Yeah, I mean, like... like Back on the at the 50th anniversary special, they spoke about him going to find Gallifrey again, which he hasn't done yet. So it's it's imminent. Well, I think in, it's going to happen this season. That's we're in season be nine now of the reboot. Yeah, when the Time Wars has been like the the main arc through all of those seasons. Yeah, they've got to they've got to wrap it up. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be the main arc of the season. Him finding Gallifrey again, yeah. and we see, uh, so. A few returning villains, uh, the Daleks, not surprisingly. Although I, I really wish they'd give them a rest for a season. Just put them back in the, the Dalek cupboard for a few for a few seasons and bring them back. Yeah, because I think when you bring them in every year, they kind of lose their luster a small yeah. bit. No sign of the Cybermen, but that oh, doesn't God. mean they're not going to be there. The Zygons are returning. Oh. Like they're in they're in the one of the specials, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, they played a small role in the 50th anniversary special, didn't they? Yeah, but other than that, they haven't been seen since the 80s, I think, with Tom Baker. Yeah, well, weren't they in the um? The very early, they were in the first season, weren't they? No, they they've never been in a regular series episode. What, what were those sh- shape shifting things in the first season? Those were Zygons, weren't they? No, nope, different shape shifters. The farting ones. Uh, those were the the Dean. Oh, I thought they were Zygons too. No, the Zygons are quite different. They're kind of they tentacly, weird, like yeah, tentacle like, monsters, like squid shape shifted things. Yeah, you, the guy, you're, I thought you were going to go on a bit of a rant here because you're not actually a big fan of the Zygons. No, it turns out I'm not a fan of the Slavine then. The yeah. Zygons I'm indifferent to then. Yeah, but like, I like, they kind of, they look the same as they did in the 70s and 80s, which is not a good thing. Yeah, they kind of want to, they have a bigger budget now. They have no excuse They for should that. update them a bit. Uh, just like they should have maybe updated the Ice Warrior. But uh, I like the idea that they kind of live among us perhaps and they're shape-shifting. So there's, there is mm. something there with them. And they are a classic monster, so there's a certain amount of Doctor Who fans who would love to see that. God, the Slovene were awful. Yeah, and right when you think the trailer was a bit uneventful, they like we all knew that Maisie Williams was going to be in it, but they popped in a little clip with her at the end, uh, teasing that she's going to be an important character. And yeah, little Arya Stark is... Who is know, she? Have, have, ...has come to winter. I think I think she's River Song. Yeah. I th- especially the way she because th- there's a few lines of dialogue from her assumingly talking to the doctor yeah where she seems to talk as if she knows him yeah and it's, I, it's I think, a weird situation because i think the way they established it the the older he gets the younger she gets or at least yeah when they're they going in opposite directions but they can meet each other at any time in theory yeah but she can't be a new version because uh 
during Matt Smith's run, she gave up her regeneration to save him from dying, so she doesn't have any more regeneration. It's hokey-pokey nonsense, Ken. Yeah, they'll probably find Matt a way. Smith, uh, the doctor didn't have any more regenerations either, Ken. Yeah. But yet, here he is, still frolicking around in his TARDIS. Yeah, with with the return of Gallifrey, to, Gallifrey though, it could be any number of, yeah, of, anyone, of yeah. past characters. Like, Romana was a, a past companion who was also a time lady, if... Time lady. Lady? Is, yeah, that, I think is that the official designation of a female time lord? That's what fans tend to call them, call them anyway. Uh, the Rani, but like she was like almost like a female master, and like the master is female now, so I yeah. don't really think it's going to be her either. But we will be going to this in September. In September, we'll do a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, because I'm a relatively new Whovian. Yes, I only watched. I had After never I seen, recommended it to you several times. Yeah, you countless, ignored me countless times. I never watched any of the original series. And I watched all of the reboot last October, November. So I'm relatively new to all this. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be the Rani as such. It could maybe be a, an old an old face. Yeah. But a new old face. Or it could be an entirely new character. Yeah, it could be. Like, but they they, they, they stuck that right in it. Right, they kind of did the teaser and they ended it. And almost thought you thought it was over. And then they stuck that in at the end just to torture you until September. Mm. Although probably until November when you find out what happened. Because we, have, we haven't seen River Song in quite a while. Yeah, thankfully, because like we saw her quite a bit for a while. Too often, like uh, if I heard spoilers one more time, I was going to break my television. Spoilers, Ken. Uh, okay, guys, coming up next is the week in words. Also, Gar related to Doctor Who this week. Lego Dimensions is coming out soon. Yeah, they announced it a few months ago. They had Joel McHale in the launch trailer. So, uh, Lego Dimensions is basically Gar. If you want to take this, because you're the gamer. Yeah, it's if you've seen Skylanders from Activision or Disney Infinity from Disney or even Amiibo from Nintendo, it's very much the same idea that you have toys in real life that you scan into your game and it becomes something in the game world. They have, if you've seen any of the Lego games or any of the Lego franchises, you know Warner Brothers have rights to all these franchises, and they're uh, intent on bringing them into their game now. Yeah. So like. Basically, it's it's like a whole universe of characters that they have rights to, or Lego have licensing agreements for. But like Batman, Lord of the Rings, Doctor Who, Back to the Future. Doctor Who's a new one, though. Doctor Who is mm-hmm. just like Gary's gonna make a big announcement. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Work away again. Sorry, sorry. Forget about that last bit. But now, Gar, the Doctor is in it. He is. Yes, the, the current um, Doctor. You can frolic a lot around as Lego Doctor and his Lego TARDIS. There's something bizarre about children's character being a man in his 60s yeah and now being turned into lego he's got like I, like he's he's trying to, they're, they're, like i think the doctor is cool but trying to make a man in his 60s cool mm. and in lego there's something a bit bizarre about a man like that being made to appeal to children yeah did you see actually someone recreated matt smith's regeneration scene in yeah. lego it's <laughs> really cool <laughs> lego tardis and lego matt smith's which is handout yeah, people people have a lot of time on their hands, but we appreciate them because they yep. do good work. They'll get lots of hits on YouTube. It will, but also the the Lego TARDIS was adorable. Yeah, it was really. Apparently, cute. D- Disney are resisting this because Warner Brothers do have the Lego rights to Marvel. Yeah, but obviously Disney are releasing Marvel characters as part of their Disney Infinity line. Yeah, so Disney don't want the Marvel characters being any part of the Lego Dimensions. It's a really weird situation with Marvel because they seem to be fragmented into yep. like a lot of people owning a lot of rights to things. Where Disney like own the company, but they don't they don't own all their properties. They don't have the rights to all the properties. Yeah, they have the rights to the characters, but they've been licensed out because Marvel obviously didn't have the production budget to actually make films back in say yeah. the nineties and two thousands. So they'd license it out to Fox or license it out to Sony. So they entered agreements which are still 
understanding that Disney can't do anything about it until they run out. And even then, they have to bid for them, don't they? Even though they own it. It's yeah. kind of strange. Because as long as they keep on making films, they continue to own the rights. Yeah. They have struck a deal with Sony where they get some oversight over the Spider-Man character now. Yeah. But Fox still have the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, which is, I'd imagine Disney would kill them to get those rights back, yeah. particularly the X-Men rights. Yeah, like if you're going forward with the Avengers, you want to expend, extend the Avengers and have like a mega team Avengers film in the future, which I'm assuming they're going to go for. Or an Avengers versus X-Men or versus Fantastic Four film, which you would have seen in the comics where they're for some reason pitted against each other. Yeah, some kind of mutant war or, yeah. or superhero war. Because traditionally the X-Men play a pretty huge role in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. You know, they're one of the, the kind of leading groups. And they're just kind of missing. They're just off to the side doing their own thing in the Fox films. Yeah, well, Gary, we could talk about this stuff all day, but we have to get we have an action-packed show for you, so we're going to have to move on. Next up is the great tradition that is the week in words. Stick around; we've got some good stuff lined up for you in just a tick. You're listening to the Weekend Show podcast with Ken Kidney. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your stress. A Chinese man just discovered that his beloved dogs were actually endangered bears. As you do. Wang Kuai, a banana... Butchering other languages every single week. I don't know Asian names. A banana farmer from Yunnan province in China bought the two puppies, air quotes, in Vietnam in 2013. I love the first... I'd love to see the person that sold them these supposed puppies. Uh, Yes, puppies. Sure. those, Those are dogs. Yeah, take them, please. But, like, I've seen a picture and, like, they don't even, like, do you know sometimes, like, like they have those big dogs that kind of look like lions. So yeah. you could, could probably mistake them for for one thing or the other. But they look like, they don't even, they look like bears. They're, they are bears. Like this, this, this man probably stole some bears. It's like, yes, I'm offloading these as dogs. Yeah. Sure. Dogs. Or maybe the, maybe the guy just wanted to keep bears and, and when he got caught, that was his excuse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought they were dogs. I bought them in Vietnam, so you can't trace this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, China.org reports that the the much-loved pups were very much enjoyed by the owner. He used to bathe them and comb their hair on nearly a daily basis. They must have had a lot of hair to comb. Yeah. Bears have more hair than dogs. But, like, like, do you remember Grizzly Man, where that guy lived with bears for 20 years? I and saw thought, that in the cinema. And thought they were his friends, and then they ate him? He apparently, he stayed there too long, and they became aggressive, and they ate him. So, they got, like, because the bears that he grew up with yeah, and, and weren't there anymore? Uh, it's kind of seasonal that he stayed there longer in the season than he usually would and there were yeah. different bears there that didn't know him and didn't trust him and ate him yeah so I think it's like this is kind of the opposite of that because like he, they grew up with him so obviously they trusted him to comb their fur and, and bathe them and not eat him alive but um, the pair one male and one female have since been rehomed at a rescue centre and are said to be in good condition but here's the, the, the kicker an adult Asian black bear weighs up to 200 kgs how many of of of, Ke- of Ken is that? I, I don't know, like two, three, maybe four. I'd say I don't know kilograms, but they're they're gigantic. Like, like imagine trying to get that and pick up a bear and put it in the bath. Yeah. It's just like, all right, he gets his, his like lift to lift them into the bath. Yeah, he has his bear. I hope he gets to visit his bears. Yeah, it's like you know, he had his bears taken off of him. Yeah, I mean, like the, like obviously there's going to be an emotional attachment. They they think that he's their daddy. Yeah, and he thinks that they're his children. And he probably fed them bananas. I love the I love the image of him taking his bears for walks. 
And everyone going, ah. <laughs> yeah. He was wondering for years why everyone was fleeing around him. <laughs> it's like, or, or like, like nobody ever like argue with him. Like if he, yeah. if he trimmed his hedge and it landed in the neighbor's garden, they're just like, whatever. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's cool. fine. It's cool. Just don't, don't stick your bears on me. <laughs> Bear with us while we give you a link for the next story. Do you get depressed when your favorite football team suffers a heavy loss? Take solace in this next story and know that there's always somebody worse off. Federated states of Micronesia suffered their third consecutive record defeat when they were thrashed 46-0 by Vanuatu in an Olympic qualifying tournament on Tuesday. The Micronesian football team is in the record books this week for all the wrong reasons. They lost 30-0 to Tahiti, 38-0 to Fiji and 46-0 to Vanuatu at the Pacific Games. That's 114 goals conceded, zero goals scored. I mean... Literally, I watched some of the games and like the goals are pinging in second after second. Like, they're... how can you be so bad at football? But they just they don't have the resources apparently. Even if you don't have the resources, you have like if you watch one football game, you can kind of get a general understanding of how football works. If you have eleven players in that pitch, how do you play so badly that you concede one hundred and fourteen goals over three games and score none? It got to the point where they like the the sideline, the team on the bench would celebrate when they cleared their lines <laughs> when they didn't yeah. concede another goal. But yeah, it must be like demoralizing and fair play to them. Like like their previous coach, Paul Watson, who coached them for a while. He's a former English footballer. Uh, he, he, he like he really credited them there because like, like going into halftime, like coming out for a second half, losing that heavily. Assuming they're somewhere in the region of 23-0 down yeah. in that Vanuatu game. So exactly. It must be, it takes a lot of character to come out and finish the game. Yeah. So fair play to them. They're not affiliated with FIFA. They've been striving to be affiliated with FIFA. So um, they don't have much funding because uh, even the the tiniest team like Vanuatu, if you're affiliated with FIFA, you get 100,000 in grants per year. That's pretty good. So like they have, they literally have no development there. So and like they're, they're a collection of hundreds of little islands. Yeah. So they probably like don't even have enough room for a whole football pitch on one of their islands. Do they have grass there or is it all sand? I have no idea. I have no idea what, what goes on there. Interestingly, Ken, all four of those locations are Survivor locations. Interesting. Places where the television reality show Survivor has taped. Yeah, especially in recent years. They seem to go to that region a lot. They, they, they like their Pacific Islands. Do you think Jeff Probst was the referee for those games? I do like the idea that when uh, Micronesia lost in the tournament, he just snuffed out their torch. Yeah. The tribes have spoken. Tries have spoken, and you are terrible at football, Micronesia. Speaking of Paul Watson, he apparently he he, um, he tried for years to get them funding uh, over his tenure, his two-year tenure. Two, that's hard to say. Two-year tenure. Two-year tenure as coach, and the highlight of which was an email back from FIFA saying that they would not be emailing him. <laughs> that's harsh. So well, again, our our free screech uh, hashtag failed. Yeah. Our our higher Ken hashtag failed. Yes. We need we need a new one for Micronesia. So, hashtag fund Micronesian football. That's yeah. really long, actually. Or fund Micronesian football FIFA. And there's a that's, bit of alliteration in there. That's too long. How about hashtag FIFA Micronesia? Yeah. So everyone tweet at FIFA, hashtag uh, FIFA Micronesia. Let them into FIFA. Let them into FIFA. Don't be cool. FIFA, you need a win here, okay? Yeah. You've had such a torrid time in the press in recent weeks. Like, a little love for Micronesia could go a long way. That's Think about it. And ideally, Ireland arrange a friendly with them so we can have a bit of fun. Yeah, and and get our confidence up Yep, by winning 3-0. We 
We would. We <laughs> yeah. would. We'd only we we concede a goal to them as well. Exactly. We we probably have a, a scoreless draw. Yeah. We just sit back and let them come at us. It's a well-established fact that people are slaves to their phones these days. But one New Yorker took it to a whole other level. Rule of thumb, when you go see a live performance, don't go on the stage as the show is starting to charge your phone. Broadway theatre gore tries to recharge phone in onstage plug. An audience member at the Tony Award-nominated play Hand to God on July 2nd climbed on stage just before a performance to try and charge his phone on what looked like an outlet. Is he that desperate? Yeah. It's kind of a damning indictment of modern culture where you can't do it at your phone for two hours. And you, you don't have the common sense to realize I shouldn't go up there and use that socket up there on that stage right before this stage show begins. Because I might in fact get incarcerated. <laughs> Is a Snapchat or a tweet or a text message really worth going to jail for? What if what if it's a very important tweet, Ken? What if someone tweets you about something very important? Like hashtag nipslip. Hashtag beef and micronesia. Hashtag beef and You might have missed the whole hashtag being at the show. Exactly. And it's a very important issue. It is. Luckily, uh, the ushers on hand were on the ball and pulled him off stage just before he, he managed to achieve his task. And he was put back in his seat. Surprisingly, they actually didn't kick him out. Yeah, that's good of them. People in the Booth Theatre are nice. Yeah. Everyone go to the Booth Theatre and go with the hand to God. It has puppets in it, so I'm, I'm in. I've never heard of it. No, it's it, apparently it's quite... New, but also quite well-received. I'm a fan of musicals. An announcement was made warning patrons not to try similar attempts. And the ushers were like stationed near the offender just to make sure he didn't get any wise (laughs) ideas to try again. For for he wasn't he wasn't encouraged to have an encore performance. Well, hey, he apparently got the message, but not on his phone. Like uh, that one. Funny. Hmm? Did Did you get that one? He got the message, but not on his phone. Oh, very good, Ken. Garrett, the people at home are going to be rolling on the floor now. And, and just, I stepped I stepped on the punchline. You completely just ruined it. Anyway, let's move on. Speaking of Twitter, he, he won't have seen this tweet, but actress Sarah Stiles tweeted, hashtag full moon or hashtag idiot. I, I think he'll take the full moon excuse. Yeah. I like the way, uh, if you go to a Broadway play from now on, you're probably going to hear uh, a warning of, please do not come on the stage for any reason at all. Yeah. And it's going to be his fault. It's going to be called the whatever his name is rule. Yeah. Apparently, in the end, the, the attempt was pointless because the outlet didn't actually work because it was, in fact, a stage prop. Oh, I, I would have preferred him to actually put the phone there, put it into charge, and then get it like like 15 minutes later and realize it hasn't charged at all because it's <laughs> not a real outlet. And then like everyone thought he was like part of the show. Yeah. This is some kind of weird addition to the, the performance. Like an immersive experience where a person comes from the crowd. And like you're going to a, a stage show. Do you really need your phone for that two hours? Like, yeah. like And uh, in theaters, they make you turn your phone off anyway. Yeah. They don't want you taking pictures or, or sending out tweets. Like, Hashtag this show is lame. Yeah, just, just, geez, stop trying to tweet everything and experience something in the moment. A production spokesman confirmed the incident on Tuesday saying the act was at least in keeping with the anarchic nature of the show. Playwright Robert Askins, bracing comedy, mixes violence, swearing, brutal honesty, parental failure, church hypocrisy, and plenty of sex of both human and puppet varieties. I like that. He turned the whole thing into like a, a, a small bit of a publicity stunt. Like a plug. Yeah, it's like, oh, this happened. Now I'm going to plug everything that's in the show. Come see it. And don't jump on stage, please, though. That's not, that's not cool. We all like a cheeky Domino's pizza on the weekend, 
but if you thought your extra large 16 inch was big, you've heard nothing yet. Italy just secured its place as the pizza capital of the world. Here's how they did it. It's a mile long pizza and it set a Guinness world record for the longest pizza in the world. 60 pizza makers create near, a nearly mile long pizza in Milan, Italy. It took 18 hours to create. It came in at 1.59545 kilometers to be very precise or nearly a mile. It was at the Milan's World Fair Expo in 2015 and awarded the Guinness World Record for world's longest pizza. 18 hours. Like, if that was a pizza place, you'd get it for free. You would. That was a lot of pizza to give away for free. <laughs> yeah. It was a mile long pizza. Like, where did they do it, I wonder? Was it on the floor? Or was it like did on a big, like big long table? or A mile long table or a little mat to put it on? Here's some what stuff. do you even make a mile long pizza? I, I, like, I couldn't even conceive the logistics of it. I, 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 I was trying to find a video, but I couldn't. But I really loved it. If anyone has a video, tweet it to at TWSKK or put it on our Facebook wall. Facebook. 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 Facebook.com forward slash TWSKK because I'd love to see it. It featured 1.5 tons of mozzarella, 2 tons of tomato sauce, and weighed some 5 tons in all. How do they know how much it weighed? Did it like mid a little weighing scale underneath. They probably added up all the, the that ingredients, I'd imagine. But the pizza that's... topped the record of a 1.1 kilometer pizza made in Spain, so they pretty much hammered that Spanish record. Yeah. The Spanish, like, they don't know pizza, though. Yeah, like... That's like a national pride thing. It's like, the Spanish are outdoing us at really long pizzas. That's our thing. We are Italy. We need to defeat the Spanish at this kind of thing. Fairgores could eat slices of the Milan pizza for free. I hope they ate a lot of it. <laughs> but, like, wouldn't it be, like, cold after 18 hours? You would think so. Unless they're somehow keeping it hot. I really want to know how they did this now. This is yeah. like boggling my mind. How can you make a pizza that big and keep it warm and keep it edible for the whole time? No idea. And you can't have people eating it while you're making it because then it's not a mile long pizza anymore. Exactly. So we're going to have to do yeah. some investigative journalism on this and come back to you on like it. The second it was finished, did they just literally start eating it from the top down while it was still warm? If you're listening and you want to send us pizza... You can send it to TWSK. <laughs> we will take all free pizza. Yeah. So, like, or pizza vouchers. Like, you can just send us, send it, send it to our Facebook or Twitter. Also, Did we mention we're on Facebook and Twitter? Yeah, we mentioned that quite a bit this week. Also, if you'd like to make a 1.6 kilometer pizza in our honor to defeat the record, we will also appreciate that. We call it the weekend show pizza. We should do that with Ken and Gar Kidney. We should. See, we I should, mentioned your name this time. Yeah. We should go for these giant publicity stunts to get interest in the podcast. We probably bankrupt ourselves trying to build a pizza that long now. I, I don't know. Actually, how much do you think it costs to make a pizza that big? It's got to be thousands. Even excluding man hours. Like 18 hours of 60 pizza makers. That's, that's a lot of man hours. It's got to be thousands, I'd say. In, in raw ingredients alone, yeah. I'd say. But where do, I want to see this so badly. Yeah. The giant pizza. We're going to have to move on because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get caught up in this because I'm just so curious about how this was done. I'm also quite hungry now. We better move on, Gar, because this podcast is approaching half an hour and the next one might be free. Even though the next one is free anyway. Yeah, we're going to start charging you. That's, that's, that's yeah. the, 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 the crux of the story. The, the next podcast will be 29 minutes long and we're going to start charging you for it. For every minute after that. Moving swiftly along, in this next story, we are all used to politicians making cringeworthy statements, but one Welsh official boldly went where no man has gone before. Bonglidge Kuvmuchlu Judge, Wotlidge Chirlu Judge, Shatova Kor Rechok Judge Tura, Chutlidge Lavlukmo, Dach Judge Tir Nogmaj Khanubnis, Edge Yimne Majmo, Khobitsnis Khob, 
machvad im bognuf pu te bit bemo khut mochnes kho ach mikwevo khutnes rakh sokhvad takhmo khoste baste takhtajwo Welsh government official stuns Tory politician by replying to a question about UFOs in Klingon. That takes a remarkable amount of effort. Yeah. Because, like, I, I don't know whether he actually knew Klingon or he looked it up. I don't know whether he actually knew Klingon or he had to look it up on the internet. But apparently he, he just responded to a formal question, a formal government question in Klingon, which is a made-up alien language from Star Trek. So basically, he he sent an email back saying, "I'm trying to read it. It's Klingon, so I'm going to have to try and read Ooh, it." Ooh, goody! Ken can't even do real languages. Never mind <laughs> fake ones. Because they don't have a word for devolved in Klingon. I like that. There's, there's, there's like gibberish and devolved. Kas is the last word with a Q. Kwas. Kwas. I have no idea. That's some quality Klingon there, Ken. Darren Miller, a Conservative Assembly member for CLID, that's a Welsh word, not a Klingon word, North Wales, was asked by a constituent to query about the number of alien spaceships seen at Cardiff Airport. He also demanded to know about any discussions that have taken place regarding spacecraft with the Ministry of Defence. This guy is obviously a nut job. I like alien people. Like yeah. they're, they're insistent that this stuff is real. They take it so seriously. It's like, the government should have a stance on this. Yeah, as if, like... If aliens got here, you know, they'd be so obsessed with us that they'd, they'd be monitoring us from afar, not not actually revealing themselves to us. Anyway, the, the translation from his Klingon response is, the minister will reply in due course, classic line. Mm-hmm. However, this is a non-devolved matter. That's why you're able to hear devolved in the Klingon, because the Klingon did not have devolved issues. I don't even know what that means. I think I think all government correspondents should be in Klingon now. This has set a precedent. But, uh, the joke is thought to be the first time the Klingon has ever been used in a, an official government response. Shocker. You'd hope so, at least. <laughs> Here's a quote there from Captain Buzzkill. An assembly source said, The only extraterrestrial life seen near Cardiff recently seems to be Darren Miller. Perhaps instead of spending time and, and wasting government resources asking questions about UFOs, he should be fighting for the very real concerns of his constituents. I hate that. You can't have a bit of fun, can you? Poor. I know it's, it's using government funding, but realistically, who cares? It's an email. Yeah, How I much doubt, does an email cost? I doubt he wasted that much time. You know, I doubt it, we, we're not talking about poverty anymore because he's sending things about Klingon. And that, that same guy probably spends his time uh, watching pornography online or something. On Facebook. Or, or wasting government resources in other ways. In fairness, are we sure... That that sentence wasn't just Welsh because that language is gibberish too. Yeah, so maybe that that like it's a big hullabaloo when your mind's like, I was, I was speaking Welsh. Yeah, this was Welsh the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's, and then it'd be a scandal because the the, the, the government ministers don't know Welsh. Fairness, our ministers don't know Irish. Yeah, that's true. I love, these, I love these niche isn't languages. Like a, isn't it like a, require, a requirement or a thing? I think some of them do. And they usually do the Irish language debate where people get dreadfully confused when they can barely speak Irish. And I think Enda is fluent. But he's a teacher, isn't he? Yeah. Enda Kenny is our prime minister as such, or Taoiseach, which, have... which sounds kind of Klingon, isn't it? Taoiseach. Taoiseach and Tanishta. Fair, so let's wrap that up and boldly go on to the next segment. Did you like that? On to Netflix. That's pretty good. And so ends another glorious week in words. More strange stories next week. 
We're just going to take a quick break and we will be right back with some cool stuff to check out on the internet with our netpicks. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download every Sunday at soundcloud.com slash the weekend show. Welcome back to the Weekend Show. It's time for our weekly roundup of the best of the web in netpicks. If you don't know how the story goes by now, we give you one selection for something to watch one to read, and one to listen, available to access or purchase on the World Wide Web. Tell our listeners what they should be watching this week, Gar. I picked Lilo and Stitch. Great choice. I love Lilo and Stitch. It's so good. And it's one of the more underrated Disney films, I think. It is. It kind of flies under the radar. You hear about like Lion King and then all the Pixar stuff, but Lilo and Stitch is such a nice film. It was made by their, their Toon studio, so maybe that's why it wasn't made by the main animation yeah. studio. And it was around 2002, if I'm not mistaken. So it was around the back, like, once the Disney Renaissance had died, which is kind of considered 1989 with The Little Mermaid to 1999. This is my big Disney head on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, ending with Tarzan. And, like, it was in the post that period where they still had a couple of hits, like Brother Bear. Brother Bear is a really nice one. Lilo well. Stitch is another, another hit. But I think that the interest in 2D animation was waning. You had stuff like Treasure Planet and Home in the Range, which weren't so well received, were they? No, like... Home and Range is single-handedly credited with killing 2D animation at Disney for a for number years of years. Come, yeah, Until was Princess it? And the Frog. Five years. They stopped doing any 2D films and they focused solely on 3D. But I tell the people about Lilo and Stitch if they haven't been crazy enough not to watch it. It's the story of a Stitch, uh, an escaped alien experiment who flies to Earth to, to escape persecution and ends up being adopted by Lilo as a dog. So uh, we were talking about dogs as bears earlier. This is dogs as, as aliens. Yeah, Lido doesn't realize that Stitch is in fact an alien. But it's, it's an easy mistake to make. It right? is. He looks vaguely like a dog, an adorable blue dog. So which is worse, do you think, adopt, adopting an alien dog or a bear? Stitch does look more like a dog than I think a bear would. Yeah, I think you'd recognize a bear. Stitch is more likely to kill you though, because he was made as a weapon. Yeah, he was evil. He was Spoilers. evil. Stitch. Spoilers. Lido turned him into nice Stitch. But it's such a nice film. It's set in Hawaii. It has a bunch of Elvis music, which it's a really great soundtrack, and then a bunch of ukulele stuff thrown in. Yeah, it has kind of some native music as well, which is like really good. A Hawaiian roller coaster ride in particular is a great song. Yeah, and it's one of the, actually one of the first Disney films to have an ethnic lead character. Yeah, a, a small female ethnic lead in Lilo. Yeah, Lilo's an adorable character as well. Yeah, where she gets all of upset and she threatens to kill herself, <laughs> she's, which is really dark for a Disney film. But it's she, like she's the world's most neurotic child, I think. Yep. Uh, but like she, she's got a lot of hubris and like she kind of has like more perspective than a lot of adults. And well, like one of my big like there's a few things that I look for in animation. I've done animation myself in college. It's something that I've loved my whole life. There's a few boxes that you need to tick for me. Lilo and Stitch ticks all these boxes. Number one, memorable, memorable characters. Number two, support characters that aren't annoying or yep. gimmicky. Number three, good music. And number four, in- innovations in animation and technique. And it's directed by the folks, or by Dean DeBlois and Chris Sanders, who are the folks who would go on to do How to Train Your Dragon at DreamWorks. I also love How to Train Your Dragon, so they clearly do some things that I really, really like. And when you, when you look at Toothless and How to Train Your Dragon, you can see a lot of Stitch in Toothless. But that's uh, Lilo and Stitch. It's available on Netflix. All Netflixes, because Disney have a deal with Netflix now. So, Ken, what uh, what are you recommending we watch? This is something that I stumbled upon during the week that I that like I like didn't even know. Well, I did know it was happening, but like I heard rumblings about it, and then I totally forgot until I saw the trailer. There's going to be a Goosebumps movie. I loved Goosebumps. 
I, I only read a couple of the books, but I watched that TV show to death. And they had like TV movies and it was like really good. Um, the trailer is available on YouTube. If you Google it, you will find it. Uh, or even if you Google it, you'll find it. You'll YouTube it, you'll find it. Yep. Uh, but it's it stars Jack Black, which usually turns me off. I as, don't like him, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially it, modern Jack Black. Modern Jack Black is kind of very much... He has that shtick that's yeah. like, I'm Jack Black, I'm outrageous, and I'm in my 40s. <laughs> like, yep. But he plays R.L. Stein, and basically the premise of the film is a bunch of teens get together, you know, in teeny fashion. Like there's a, mm-hmm. a, a core group of teens, something bad happens, and then they have to fix it. Yep. So what happens is... the this kid who's like he was a, a male teen person i don't i've never seen i think i've seen him before but i can't remember what he's in he was in agents of shield uh okay he was in a few episodes of that i i thought he seemed very charismatic in the trailer so yeah he moves to a small town with his mother who's got a job as a as a vice school vice principal or principal yeah, or vice principal of school happens as, to move in next to oral stein yeah and he's very secretive and like he has a daughter who obviously the male character fancy straight away your romantic lead and your romantic thing so he tries to keep the daughter away from him because like he doesn't want anybody knowing about his private life and eventually uh they befriend each other and she lets him into his house and finds all the manuscripts for his book under lock and key in their basement and it turns out by opening any of the manuscript boxes they're like metal boxes that like are like locked and it's like danger uh it releases the character from the book into the real world which is a nice little premise it's kind of familiar in some ways though i feel like i've i've had that kind of ghostbustery but also like things coming alive from books do you ever do you ever see like and it's probably a gruesome spot, spot at one stage anyway yeah stuff coming out of books coming to life page Seems- master page master uh, from 1984 yeah bit of a flop but i, I, I love that i loved it we had on vhs i watched it all the, the time that was one of the films i watched to death oh there was one scene where there, this mural comes melts and the ch- comes down from the sky and chases him <laughs> the paint chases him and that's how he ends up in the cartoon literary world and yeah. it terrified me especially the mural of the big scary wizard i don't know why anyway that's sidetracked it seems like a kind of a familiar story but like i really i like, I like the idea is that you have to get them back in the books it really is like ticking all the boxes for me it's like it's got a young cast who seem charismatic have good chemistry together it has it, like it, it's it's a bit fan servicey in the fact that it, it brings back some of the the, the more classic yeah, car- characters like pumpkin head and the the ventriloquist puppet the ventriloquist dummy who terrified me as a child but it's just just, it kind of seems like a throwback to those kind of kids capers of the 80s and 90s that's like seems so familiar but also just like just a rollicking good time rollicking good time and i and like as a a nearly 26 now uh year old adult i will be going to see it because why not yeah and tonally it was kind of jovial and kind of bouncy and energetic and those are my kind of films and like uh, you know i don't like horror films because why would i pay to be scared that is a well-established kenism kenism it's it's like one of my like 10 commandments but uh it's kind of like the right balance between a little bit kind of of scary but also kind of uh, comedic i i really liked i really liked the style of the trailer uh jack black was toned down a bit he was kind of reined in uh so i'm looking forward to it that's goosebumps the movie if you youtube it you will find it and we're going to see it and we're, we might even review it we will definitely review it and we'll yeah. watch we'll watch some of the we'll read some of the books and watch some of the the old tv show and we'll do a, a whole goosebumps extravaganza yeah he still writes them he does he turns them out yeah he, he took a long break didn't he yeah he tried to do other things and nobody cared so he brought back the franchise why go on go back to your cash cow 
What do you, what if should people read this week, Gareth? Tell tell our kind listeners. Cheating ever so slightly, I'm recommending some, an article that links to a video. But uh, it's Go Away for Donkey Kong's Birthday with this stop motion montage or homage. It's uh, an article at the AV Club where someone recreated the levels of Donkey Kong, like you know the classic Donkey Kong with the the kind of girders and Donkey Kong is running up the ladders, yeah. avoiding barrels. He recreated that in stop motion in real life. Wow. It's, like, amazing. How long is that? would that take? I have does, no idea. Does it mention it? I, 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 I don't think so, but, like, I watched the, the whole video, and it's it's super cool. He created uh, the whole, the first three levels, well, the, the whole three levels, there's only three levels in the game, of Donkey Kong in real life, and actually had, like, Mario moving up at it and climbing the ladders and, and getting all the way to the top. He actually ran through the whole animation of the level. That seems to be a genre of fan film these days because uh, recently, well, not recently, I mean, the last couple of years, there's a guy who made a shot-for-shot remake of Toy Story. Like, With actually, toys, well. yeah. So it seems to be kind of a, a almost a genre of itself now, doesn't it? you got to appreciate the amount of effort. Like, if, if Disney were cruel enough to pull that for copyright infringement, they're yeah. horrible human beings. Because he took such a long time to make it and such effort. Because he is infringing on the copyright. But if you don't want your fans to be doing that kind of thing, you're doing something wrong. Because that shows, like a level of fan attachment to your, yeah. your properties that you just can't buy. Apparently John Lasseter, though, who obviously directed Toy Story, praised it and said he had no problem with it. It was amazing. I got tons of views. Yeah. So uh, you should go and watch it on YouTube or go read that article. So I kind of cheated because it's technically another thing to watch. But still. Uh, it's on the AV Club. Go away for Donkey Kong's birthday with stop motion homage. Seriously, watch it. It's like mind-bogglingly amazing. What do you recommend for us to read this weekend? I walked past my bookshelf earlier this week, and I got reminded of a book that I read recently. Called, uh, it was Charlie Chaplin's autobiography, which he wrote actually during his lifetime. And as a general rule, I always appreciate autobiographies more when people write them themselves. When they actually go through the effort to tell their own story. Exactly. So I can like, like it's from the first time it's not going through another person. Another person is not jazzing it up or writing it, rewriting mm-hmm. it to make it more interesting. It's available on Amazon and all good ebook and physical book retailers and retailers retailers and retailers basically it's a fascinating story because it's kind of his journey from a child who struggled with poverty and a mentally ill mother who raised him in the absence of a father who was an alcoholic and no good and he eventually died of alcoholism anyway so like he went to the poor houses for a long time and like from a young age he like and i find i found this with myself as well like as as, almost as a defense mechanism as a child you develop a sense of humor you were you were very much funny was your kind of default setting, isn't it? Yeah, because like you know, like when you're younger, you get bullied a little bit, and then you like I couldn't fight back physically, yeah. so I just decided to use my wits instead. That's how you try and win people over as well, and take down bullies mm-hmm. by embarrassing them. Anyway, that's <laughs> bullies <laughs> are generally stupid. we'll save that we'll save that for the therapy couch. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it's really interesting. It's just like, um, he wrote it himself. He like literally, you know, chronologically tells his story. So like, basically he went from vaudeville, which is like early stage comedy to the movies. Uh, he was a pioneer of cinema. He was one of the very first people to kind of, to make movies as a career and, and become like, kind of a film star. Being, like, well, there was a movie industry, but he was one of the first people that was like a global icon. He's probably the first global icon. I think like the first person that was known like all over the world famous everywhere he went at his height he earned a million dollars a year over a million dollars a year considering back then that's 
crazy money. He was like the world's most most wealthy entertainer. So it's really interesting. Like, uh, and apparently, like, like if you watched the 1992 film Chaplin starring Robert Downey Jr., it is taken from that book. Apparently, it's not that faithful to it. But uh, I can confirm it's, it takes a little bit of an artistic license. But uh, he was just in the prop house one day, and like they were like he was trying to do different characters. They didn't really like him. Uh, you know, they were kind of like we kind of thought you were funny on stage because he played a drunk on stage a lot and they really liked that and that's why they thought come on we'll be in our move, moving pictures it's like what are moving pictures and he's like well you know i might make a bit of money so he was in the prop house and he kind of or he claims he organically just kind of came across the tramp character which he's most famous for and it took him to the heights that he he came to uh it's it's a little bit name droppy as in like it's like i think it comes from his childhood where he was poor, so like he just talks about all the people he met and all the stuff he had and and the wealth he accrued. But like you know, it's a fascinating snapshot of early Hollywood. He was good friends with Douglas Fairbanks and other Hollywood legends. Um, together they formed United Artists, which was the first production company which was founded by artists, and the benefits were more equally distributed to the artists so and he lives to this very day exactly well it kind of died for a while but tom cruise revived it i think he owns it now or he co-owns it so it's a really fascinating story of how hollywood came together and how hollywood developed but also like he met people like jd rockefeller gandhi einstein he was good friends with winston churchill who loved his films so it's actually a bit of a history book as well it tells the story of two world wars how he lived through them but uh, it, the only thing is, like, he kind of glosses over a lot of his indiscretions. He was famous for liking younger women. He he married he, like one of his wives was fifteen when he met him, met her, I should say. So he, like, there's no goss there or gossip there. Or there's no uh, dirt. You kind of what you gain in authenticity from someone writing their own book, you lose in kind of the the dirtier details of their own career because they're hardly going to write about how bad they were. Yeah. And he doesn't focus too much on his films or the filmmaking process, which is a little disappointing because I have uh, actually all, have all his films on DVD. You went through a big Charlie Chaplin kick, was it last yeah, year? Yeah, the year before. And I was really fascinated to see why, because like, he's a really, like he's one of the early geniuses. Like he really like, understood his character. He understood comedy. He understood emotion. And, and he just created like these films that are still as good today as they were back then. So I was really fascinated to see it. Like, and it's a really hard process to do back then. Now you can just stick CG in. Mm. And he was famous for like, f- like eating up film. Like he just did it take after take. And like film was expensive back then because it was, once you used it, it was gone. Yeah. Uh, and he just did it until you got it right. So I was kind of more interested in seeing that. He doesn't go into that much detail on that, but it's still a fascinating read and I highly recommend it. And I've gone on a bit now. So let's move on to your listen for this week. Or... My listen is NPR's Ask Me Another, another podcast. We were big into recommending podcasts. We're spreading the wealth. Uh, hosted by Ophir Eisberg and Jonathan Colton also is the house musician. It's a quiz show, but it's like a really smart quiz show. So it's not just, you know, who was president of America here. There's always like kind of witty word games where you have to combine the answer of one question to another to form new words or rounds where it's like there was one particular round, this, that or the other. Or they like named three things. It was like Pokemon, Grain, and there was I think Paint or something. And they'd say like Charmander. Is that a Pokemon, a Grain, or a Paint? And obviously I know that's a Pokemon, but I, most people don't know most of the Pokemon. So it's 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 kind of a smarter quiz show than your general just kind of here's a, a an endless round of questions. Answer them. Answer them. Answer them. And they usually have a, a guest every week. So they'd have a very important person recently that they're like the creator of Mad Men uh, or 
that they might be giants the band and they'd usually yeah, have them do their own little quiz as well as as well as kind of a small interview so it's a very interesting uh a very interesting look at kind of interesting people as well as being a really good quiz show and jonathan colton is great because he, he does musical rounds which are, are really fun and anything with music i will inherently like where he turns like established songs into quiz games when he'll he'll sing like the clue to the, the the rhythm of an established song and then you have to get the answer usually sing the answer and embarrasses people <laughs> i'm so okay like you've recommended a bunch of podcasts to me in recent months and they've all been excellent so take gar's word for it this is a good one tell them where they can find this one Gar. yeah that's npr's ask me another you can find it either on the npr website or it's available through itunes and i imagine nearly any and all podcast providers what are you recommending we listen to this weekend? I'm getting a bit nostalgic because when I studied for my exams leaving school, you had to study, as part of English, you could study a film. And one of the films we studied was Cinema Paradiso. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. My film for the leaving cert was Billy Elliot. Oh, you missed out. Really good film. It's all right. But my, like, it's not the film, obviously, because it's a listen. Uh, my recommendation is the score of that film by Ennio Morricone. Famous for all his westerns. Available on YouTube. It's absolutely magnificent it's just it's just playful yet stoic and nostalgic and it builds this crescendo where if you don't cry you're a robot <laughs> it's like tears in your eyes it just suits the film perfectly the film is a coming of age story and the, the music tells that story in such a perfect way that it just like it blows your mind and he has a proven track record because as well as cinema party so he composed six other oscar winnings films like, his, music, his music is always like very atmospheric you know yeah it, it very much fits the atmosphere it's 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 written for it takes on the life of the of the of, of the film itself and tells the story so he's he's a genius the reason i mention it is he's actually coming to ireland in february 2016 on valentine's day to the three arena in dublin he's going on a, a tour around europe uh, to celebrate 60 years in music quite a long time making awesome music isn't it during that time he's done 500 scores for film and tv and 100 absolute musical works that's a lot of music so like google ennio morricone european tour or ennio morricone 60 years in music because he will be coming to a city near you if you're in europe uh, i highly recommend you go see him i'm seriously considering it myself these, it, these are the kind of people these are our modern mozarts aren't they yeah he's 80 years old and he's still doing it like last week i was talking about koji kondo who did nintendo's music and you have people like john williams like these these are our mo- they're making instrumental music orchestral music and they're like our modern musical geniuses marconi said of his last show in dublin the last show in dublin was such a moving experience there was such a strong emotional connection made between each and every member of the orchestra, the choir and the audience. I just had to return to your lovely city to recreate that magic one more time. It was one of the most memorable experiences I've ever had in music. Which is a nice... Nice sentiment. We're like, we're, yeah. Ireland, is, we're, we're the most welcoming and responsive crowds in the world. Or some of the friends in those places too. Yeah. But that didn't work out, did it? <laughs> That's a Gareth Brooks joke uh, for anyone who didn't see that debacle last year around this time. Google Dublin, Gareth Brooks, you'll find it. It caused quite an outrage here. I, yes. Uh, so that's the Cinema Paradiso score, or any any score really, about, by Ennio Morricone. All available on YouTube, I'd imagine, because everything is. Everything is on YouTube. That's it for this week's Netflix. Next week, we'll give you another batch of things to read, watch, and listen. But up next, we're going to delve into the world of the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and talk about all your favorite tween shows. And movies. There's lots of them. And some of them are good, some of them are not so good. And some of them are utterly atrocious. 
stick around. It's bound to be interesting. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Since the introduction of Saved by the Bell, we've seen a steady rise in the popularity of what has come to be known as tween shows. Shows aimed directly at those ready to enter adolescence. Shows that are trying to teach those poor young adults everything they need to know to succeed in the social minefield that is teenagerdom. The advent of Nickelodeon in the Disney Channel is only added to the dense jungle that is tween shows and movies, as they seek to churn out show after show, focusing on the latest flavor of the month, irrationally good-looking child star. So we figured we'd take a look back at some of these shows, the good, the bad, and the, like, totally terrible, and reminisce over some of the ones we watched when we were younger, and uh, totally blast the ones that exist today. Kara, you noted that a lot of those teen stars are incredibly good-looking, almost unbelievably so. We have a theory that Disney has a farm. Do you think it's true? I think they have the, the farm where they grow stupidly good-looking children and put them on television to make us feel inferior. So they just have a, a secret facility where they just grow these, these teens from a test tube. Yeah, these, these obnoxious, energetic, peppy teens that you hate. But Basically, like, they have all the ingredients and they just put them all together. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. Sugar spice and everything nice. Except way worse than that. And way more obnoxious. Because I was watching... Slightly outside of the realms of uh, teen shows, I was watching MTV Scream and Teen Wolf, which are still geared at young adults, but kind of more of the kind of 16 to 20 range, I'd imagine. And everyone there is stupidly good looking. That's not real life. It's not. And they're, they're all in high school running around and they're all stupidly good looking. One of them looks like 45. Where's the fat people? Yeah, where's the and fat people and the small people and the freckly people? And nearly always the, the the fat people and the small people and the freckly people are, are, are objects of ridicule in these shows. And they're not central characters in the slightest. No, they're the side characters there to be mocked by other people, like Farkle in, in uh, Girl Meets World. Poor Farkle. Or Minkus in Boy Meets World. Who is his dad. Yep. Okay, so we'll take it away with the 90s. Yeah, we, we said we'd break it into kind of three three periods and then talk about spin-offs and movies, but... The 90s, when we grew up, there was a bunch of these kind of shows. There's Smart Guy. And all these shows tended to have, like, a gimmick. Yeah. It's like, here's our, our, our teen star that we like and a gimmick, and we're going to put them together. Smart Guy was a, a kid that was really smart who was moved up a bunch of grades. Taj Maori. Yep. Teen Angel was a show based around a, a guy who ate a gone-off cheeseburger under his friend's bed and died. Yeah. And then became his guardian angel. It's a bit of a grim premise. It is. It only lasted a season. So it's like, he died. Did he come back to life in the end or did it not resolve itself? I don't think it resolved itself. Yeah, because like, do you know, do you ever see all dogs go to heaven? Eventually he gets a second chance and he gets to go back to life. Mm, and happy ending. <laughs> yeah. But like, I thought that show would go that way and it just, well, it just never happened because it never ended. Yeah, Boy Meets World was kind of a big one that ran through the 90s because it started in like 93 and ran all the way through to 2000. Yeah. And it was just uh, rebooted as Girl Meets World. Where... The, the kid is now the dad. Cory and Topanga are now the, the adult parents. Yeah, which is kind of weird, but cool. It is. I, I kind of like that. I actually, it has a really good theme song. Yeah. Which is important. And a lot of these shows do have really good theme songs, which is yeah. very important. Yeah. As we said, guys, it's the number one rule. If yeah. you have a good theme song, it's half the battle. But strangely enough, guys, you know Smart Guy and Sister Sister? They're, they're the, the stars of Sister Sister and Smart Guy are, are related. They're brother and sister. Well, they took over television for a while, didn't they? Yeah. They took over tween television of the 90s. Tia and Tamara have kind of disappeared, haven't they? They have a reality show now. Do they? I think it was on E or one of those networks. Yeah. About, you know, them 
being not really famous anymore. <laughs> I like that. As far as usually it's people being famous for nothing. Then it's just, you were really famous 15 years ago. No, you're not anymore. And you're just normal people. But you're kind of famous now because you're on a reality show. Yep. It's, a, it's a strange symbiotic relationship. The the kind of 90s was more the realms of Nickelodeon, wasn't it? Yeah. Whereas the Disney Channel didn't really come into their own until the kind of thousands. They kind of focused on animation more in the 90s, I seem to think. Yeah. And, like, well, Nickelodeon had their fair share of animation, too, with the likes of Hey Arnold and Doug. Doug. But Disney bought eventually. Yeah, that was weird. Of all the properties you could have bought, they like, they we bought have to have Doug. Doug. Yeah, we have to get Doug off the competition. But the the big ones for Nickelodeon during the 90s would have been Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Keenan and Kel. But those were really good sitcoms. Like, as in, like, as an adult now, I've watched Sabrina back and, like, I still enjoy it's it. It's a solid show. Yeah. It's, like, a good, solid show. Like Keenan and Kel hasn't like I always enjoyed them as a as a comedy duo, but they, like they really like it hasn't aged that well. No, it's kind of very much catchphrases and buzzwords and kind of it's nineties. It's it's, it's, it's very nineties. It belongs yeah. in the nineties where but where where is where it originated from? But do you love orange soda again? Who loves orange soda? I do like orange soda. Well, I do. Well, the, the orange soda we have here would be Tenora. Yeah, that's soda that is orange. And that is amazing. It is very good. Tenora, if you don't have it in the US or anywhere else in the world, be jelly. It's, it's mostly an Irish slash Munster thing. Yeah. Which is kind of weird to have a drink that's owned by Coca-Cola, but is so localized. I think it could really be popular in other it markets It really is, because well. I, went, I went to the Coca-Cola Museum in Atlanta once, and I yeah. didn't have any of it. Garrett, this is not about beverages of the night. This isn't about orange sodas. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I remember they used to always have those fan votes. Remember Nickelodeon, where you, they'd show like a week of programming entirely voted by fans. And yeah. it used to just be wall-to-wall Sabrina the Teenage Sabrina Witch. Sabrina used to win time after time. With yeah. the odd, actually, with the odd Keenan and Kel. Yeah. But uh, Kel's actually going back to Nickelodeon now. Like, he's been cast at, as the generic adult in one of their sitcoms. I, I love the poor generic adult roles. Yeah. Because it's like, th- those, are, those are the roles you take when you just can't get anything else. Like, it's just like... Uh, well, you know, you gotta feed your family, and it's really—you don't have to work as such. It's just—it's just, it's not even acting. Yeah, it's, just, it's really very easy work. Yeah, it's just like, like oh, I'll show up, read the lines, leave. Yeah, even if you've never acted before, you could probably do that role. Keenan is still doing pretty well. He's uh, one of the lead players on Saturday Night Live these days. S- since 2003, he's been yeah. like he was a kind of a what they call—I can't remember what they call like kind of bit part players for years. But they kind of promoted the main cast basically because everyone else left. Yep. But, but yeah, he's, he's pretty much one of the lead players there now. Early two thousand. Well, like before we move on to the early two thousands, what were your what were your kind of key impressions of the nineties? Uh, they were very naff shows. I, I've I've watched the first two seasons, three, two or three seasons of Boy Meets World recently. I actually really enjoy it. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly sharp. Yeah, because I think they were actually trying to make good television then, as opposed to just churning out show after show after show. When like one vehicles end, for stars. Yeah, when one ends, you just move on to the next one. They're like now they're just kind of to promote a star that they want to to have in the public eye. Where before they were just like they wanted to make a good yeah, TV show. Boy Meets World ran for seven years. Yeah. Um, I think Sabrina the Teenage Witch ran for a similar time. They ran from ninety six to two thousand three. I think something like that. Yeah. So, like, six or seven seasons. Yeah, so th- these were shows that, like, they put an honest-to-God commitment into rather than, we were talking a few weeks ago, like, the, the format of three or four seasons and you're out. Yeah. Get in, get 66 episodes, get out. They tried to make actual good television and they didn't treat kids like morons. Yep. And I, th- I think their stars have endured a little more. Yeah. And, like, they're just, they still work. They, like... Uh, Melissa Joan Hart still does pretty well. She's on Melissa and Joey, which is on ABC and... And we just talked about Keenan and Kel, who are doing pretty well. Consistent show. So, the early 2000s, Gar, what have we got there? Th- that was more my, my generation. 
Yeah. Lizzie McGuire. I, I've seen every episode of Lizzie McGuire. If you believe you got a picture perfect plan, good theme song. Yeah, definitely. we're talking about themes. Sabrina Teenage Witch had a good theme song. Boy Meets World had lots of theme songs. Uh, but uh, Lizzie McGuire is Mike and I jam. Hilary Duff has has kind of disappeared. She's still around. She's kind of coming back now. She's on a television show now on one of those networks that don't nobody's really heard of. But. Yeah, there's a lot of those shows on networks nobody's really heard of. Yeah, but she's she works. She yeah, she does pretty well for herself. There was That's So Raven, which I watched a lot of, but never particularly enjoyed. No. Because the format was always, she sees the future, but the future is actually the future she creates by interfering. Yeah. And then it's like, once you we catch on to that format, it's just yeah. like... I'm, Even as a child, that was thin. Yeah, it's just like, I'm done with this. Even Stevens, girl. Oh, God, Sheila Booth. What nope. did you do to us, Disney Channel? Why did you ever commission this show? If you didn't commission that show, Sheila Booth might never have happened. Yeah, not many people notice. He started off on kids' TV. Yeah. And, like, he was a comedian as a child. That's the reason that they hired him for the show, because he used to do comedy. And then he is whatever he is today. Although, yeah. in fairness, he's still a comedian today, because people, <laughs> laugh, people at laugh at him. People laugh at him, rather than with him. Uh, I like the Even Stevens movie. Yeah, it's, like, it's actually not a bad show. It's, 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 it's kind of like this zany sitcom Sister doesn't like him, tries to bust him. Kind of like Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, it's facing live action Phineas and Ferb, is it? Yeah. Thank God he doesn't play Phineas because that would ruin the entire show. Although, like, actually Shia LaBeouf as a child was, uh, after a while, kind of did get very annoying. Yeah, he, had, he had a shtick. Yeah. I don't like people that have shticks. No. It's just like, do something different, please. Yeah. Well, he did try to do something different and by, then, by stealing other people's work. And being horribly obnoxious about it. We had Drake and Josh, which took over Nickelodeon for years. Yeah. None of those guys really do anything anymore, do they? I oh. think they're bringing it back. Are they? I'm pretty sure they are. Because those two guys are desperate for work? Yeah, pretty much. The other Josh got in films for a while as kind of like that fat guy who got kind of skinny. And he's quite a good actor. He took He went to, he went to some kind of brave lengths in indie movies like he took some kind of odd roles and tried to kind of forge his path that way didn't really work out for him yeah you can't fault him for trying yeah i, I really liked like, it though i liked it though Drake Drake Josh, Josh, I, I, I don't know i never really got into it kind of hokey but i watched a lot of it i have to say i've watched a lot but like occasionally we i'd occasionally walk in and ken just watch things and he'd be sitting there just watching nickelodeon show after nickelodeon show after nickelodeon show this is what happens when you're at home during the day and you have, yeah, no, you have like, no job i'm gonna throw on the disney channel I'm going to watch loads of episodes of Good Luck Charlie and Shake It Up. Shake It Up. For no reason at all. Uh, I really like Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. That was a, fi- uh, a show. Also had a film as well. It had a couple Everything. of TV films. All of these were spun off in the films at one stage or another. TV films. But uh, it, like, it didn't treat kids like morons. Yeah. It had kind of good slapstick comedy. Good, like They'd set up something earlier in the episode which would come back uh, and pay off later in the, the episode. Payoffs rather than just... Yeah, poorly crafted humor. Good, good actors, good child actors, and it just kind of followed a, a good format. When you watch, when you watch some of these shows, you see, you watch them and you wonder, like, how did whoever was directing that just go? Yep, that's good. Move on. Because, like, as you said, Gary, a lot of these shows are just vehicles for stars these days, so they literally don't care what it, what kind of quality it is. And they kind of treat kids with a bit of contempt. Like, I know what kids like. Kids like this and that. It's yeah. like, have you asked them what they like? Do you treat them like they're people with brains? No, you do not. I love the way all the adults in these shows, all the parents are usually, like, crazy zany people. Yeah, who, like children themselves, almost. Yeah, who go to, like, crazy extremes. I think that's kind of to try and reflect that the way children see their parents 
Mm-hmm. And then occasionally they have the parents having to be like the, the wise people to give down sage wisdom. It's like you just established for like four episodes that this woman is crazy, particularly good luck Charlie. The mother in good luck Charlie is a crazy person. She's bipolar. Or yeah, she's just nuts. And then occasionally she has to be all like Solomon wise. It's like, nope, not, not by it. Sorry. Uh, I put Zoe 101 in here just because it was a vehicle for uh, Britney, Britney Spears' sister. sister yeah. yeah. Jamie Lynn Spears. Although your one from the the blonde one from Zoe, or sorry, not Zoe one, iCarly was actually in it. That always happens. I was going to mention that earlier. The way you'd see the 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 stars of the next shows introduced in those ones. It's it's one of their most common ploys. They'll introduce their like next big thing as uh, either a big character or a supporting character in one yep. show, or kind of that, a, an extended guest car, a guest character run. Yeah, exactly. And then when that ends, they they give them their own vehicle. Then like the way your one from Jesse was in. The Sweet Life on Deck. Yeah. Which was spun off from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the way they lead one into the other. I'm pretty sure China Ann McLean was in some shows before Anne Farm as well, wasn't she? She was in bits and pieces and she was in uh, Grown Ups with Adam Sandler as well. And most of these people get their own films, but we'll talk about that in a second. So we'll move on to kind of the late thousands of today, the kind of modern tween shows that have become irrationally popular. There's iCarly, which she uh, she made so much money for that show. She's got a fish face. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's your, like, prevailing thought about iCarly. She just kind of looked like a sad fish. <laughs> her and her silly-looking fish face. She made, like, six figures per episode or something, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, as in, like, they gave her, like, a, a big contract to keep doing it because she kind of, there was a, a while when she wanted to stop. and Understandably, you're kind of sick of doing these. And they, they continued it on for a while. Then there is the, the Hannah Montana. Do we even need to mention Miley Cyrus oh, these God, days? Miley Cyrus. She is, uh, of the people we've mentioned, she has become probably the most famous. Yeah. Famous for being infamous these yeah. days, mostly. Rather than her music. Do you think it's just her, like, being her real self now? Or is it just uh, attention-seeking? Or is it the need to kind of try and cast the Hannah Montana image off in the past? Yeah. Make people wholeheartedly forget about the kind of young happy what is the need girl. for that though i yeah. don't understand like i mean the kind of wholesome happy country girl character obviously if i was an actor i'd want to transition into you know serious stuff and kind of have a career beyond tween shows but like what's wrong with doing that stuff people love you for that stuff yeah. like and it, it created the, the kind of beginnings of her fan base it's not like yeah. billy ray cyrus was all that relevant even before hannah montana yeah i think you should just embrace it and just uh, and like people will actually like you more for doing that i think he was my favorite part of hannah montana yeah he was actually really good in that was because he? he was essentially just standing there rolling his eyes at everything the whole time <laughs> yeah well, and, you... and and your man is it jason earls yeah he was like he's like 36 or 37 at the moment yeah and he's still in kicking it on disney xd yeah so he's still doing disney channel shows in his mid to late 30s he's playing a 17 year old when he's in his mid 30s it's weird how young he looks in yeah. fairness it's creepy it's actually very very creepy there's then sunny with a chance which was Demi lovato's vehicle which got cancelled when she fell off the the wagon and went off the rails yeah which i kind of i liked sunny with a chance i like chad dylan chad dylan cooper yeah, basically, it's uh, a show within a show. It's about a sketch show. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 this girl gets hired to be on it and she lives her lifelong dream. Yeah. And then she has to adjust to the life of Hollywood because she's from, she's a corn fed girl from the country and she has to learn to, to play the Hollywood game. Uh, it got cancelled when she went into rehab. And it was and spun off into so random. 
But the, terrible. the actor that played Chad, Chad Dylan Cooper has the coolest name of all time. Sterling Knight. His name is Sterling Knight. Awesome. How is he not like the biggest star in Hollywood with the name Sterling Knight? Is that a Hollywood name or a real name? Do you I'm think? pretty sure it's his real name. He, he might have like Hollywood parents or something yeah. that kind of forced it upon him that your name shall be Sterling Knight. You shall be an acting star who people fawn over because your name is Sterling Knight. Yeah, and then there's Wizards of Waverly Place, which is... I, I hated Selena Goldman's character in that show. She was a bully. She was a terrible role model for children. I'm lazy like, and I'm taking shortcuts or I'm mean. And, and always get my way in the end. And, always, and, and like she, she won in the end. Like there was a premise where only one, like there's three wizards, but only one wizard in the family got to keep their powers. And she was the one that got to keep her powers. I mean, naturally, because she's terrible. Yeah. But like, uh, what message does that send to children? That if you lie, you cheat, you be lazy and you be anti-authority and all that and mean stuff, to people that you win in the end which actually might be true so actually yeah. might be teaching teach a very about, good lesson to yeah, lesson to just, children just teach them about the, the ways of the world but it's not the lesson they should be teaching children and selena gomez she's kind of disappeared recently as well hasn't she she doesn't do much anymore she shows up in photo shoots a lot yeah and she does the odd single which is terrible because she can't actually sing and then there was your man who was in uh how i met your mother yeah which makes me irrationally angry yeah. I think we we have to do a whole spotlight on why How I Met Your Mother makes me irrationally angry someday. Let's move on, Gary, before we get into it. Yeah, all these shows, there's so many spin-offs of these shows as well. And all these, these people who were in the shows previously, who are in the most recent wave of Disney shows, like Good Luck Charlie, Shake It Off. Yeah. Can't remember the other ones now. They're, they're all spun off into different shows, but like Corey with a House was a spin-off of That's So Raven. Yeah. And it's usually, it's usually spin it off and get rid of the probably more expensive adult characters. Exactly. And like Sweet Life on Deck just like cut the cut the cord of nearly every single adult character. Even Ashley Tisdale was gone like. Yeah, just to, just to lower the budget. Yep. And Girl Meets World is a spin-off of Boy Meets World. That's more of a kind of, remember this thing you liked? We're going to make kind of make it again. And it's working. I think it's like one of their strongest shows it's, in years. It's a solid show, yeah. It's occasionally tonally very kind of weird. A bit sappy as well. Where the kind of, they, the story, the, the screenplays are clearly very weak and kind of the, yeah. the, the way the story strings together doesn't really come together in a way that works at all. Yeah. But it's, it's usually kind of just kind of a whimsical, enjoyable show. And it kind of copies the same format of the old show where the teacher tries to teach them something, they resist it, but then they experience they something. The lesson in the end. And it makes them learn the lesson in the end. Yeah. Exactly. So It does have a little Mr. Feeney in it, though, so yeah. that's all I really need. Mr. Feeney, like, not enough Mr. Feeney, I might say. Mr. Feeney was, like, my moral compass growing up. I'm yeah. sure he's the reason I want to be a teacher. Yeah. But, like, like, like you almost think these shows are made, like, as I say, they, they have, like, the second and the third step forward, like, they like this is going to be made, and we're going to use this guy, and this guy is going to star in the spinoff, yep. and then like we're going to have another character in that that we want to advance in the future. So like they, they must plan this stuff years in the future because yeah, like, everything is like designed as a vehicle for something else. Exactly. Like we'll plump this person in this, and then she'll go on to go into this, which will then serve as a backdoor vehicle for someone else to go into this, yeah. and it, it's an endless chain of child stars moving on to different shows. And then if they try to escape, they just get sedated and brought back to the farm or the facility. <laughs> They're brought back to the farm. That's the reason you never hear from half of these people again. They're brought back to the Disney farm to use for to, to mate to create the next generation of Disney stars. And then they're put down. Yeah. 
That it's sounds like, a bit awful. Yeah, awful but... Job done, Chinan McLean. Never be heard from again. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. I, I reserved a special section of this, Ken, to yep. talk about every which way. Yeah, I have it on our script in bold and caps every week. Because one day I was down... Every which way! <laughs> yeah, one day, it's like I'm shouting it, yeah. One day I was down in, in your house where we record this podcast. We're sitting here right now in my house. Yeah, and we were just watching TV and we stumbled across this Nickelodeon show called Every Which Way. And it was the pilot, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it sounded like the pilot. I've never been more confused watching a show in my life. Yeah. Because it would do these, like, almost 15-second cuts where there'd, like, be 15 seconds of a scene, cut away to the next scene, 15 seconds, cut back to the last one, even though that one wasn't resolved. And they just bounce around in a way that seems to be designed entirely for people with attention deficit disorder. And then go randomly to a scene that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And uh, and it ends abruptly. Yeah, the story is this girl is a witch and she doesn't know she's a witch and then she's working with the fact that she's a witch and then she has this this enemy person who's also a witch and that's the conflict of the show and they have to if they want to cast spells they have to use rhymes which is really contrived it is and then half of the show is them trying to come up with rhymes and then uh, mischief ensues yeah it's really cheap looking as well like as in they shot it on like a video camera or something like i can usually i watch a stupid amount of these shows yeah they're usually very formulaic they're very kind of set in their ways every episode is the same but there, there's usually at least like a standard of production there yeah there's something that you enjoy about that though that's probably why i watched a lot of them yeah it's just comfort food it's just like i don't have to switch my brain on to watch this i just want to sit here and consume it's the big bang theory and not have to think exactly <laughs> or you can just sit there it's not particularly enjoyable it's not really a show that's like oh this is super important but it you turn your brain off you sit there for 20 minutes and like yeah okay but like it feels like they could they probably wrote the script like for that show in like half an hour. Yeah, like the day of filming. It yeah. was it was so bizarrely terrible. Lazy, just like dialogue, it's like no person talks like that. Really poorly dubbed as well as another thing. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. It was so bad, like it was beyond beyond like reasonable levels of bad that I'm surprised Nickelodeon put the bloody thing on the air. Yeah, but I suppose like they like it just has cute looking teens in a, a a thin premise who cares about that but it's probably cheap to make that's probably like the, these kids shows look cheap that's that's the, the reason that they get on the air because they're cost effective i'd imagine uh, on to movies ken Ooh. the big one is high school musical obviously which took over the world in the mid mid mid-ish 2000s mid 2000s and yeah. i think the last one was like 2011 or so 2010 i think and so yeah there was a few years where it just took over the world i i will admit i have songs from high school musical on my ipod uh, so I have it also. Rain. I have seen all three films. I'm not going to lie. Flying. There's not a star in heaven that we can't reach. Please don't sue us. I think our rendition is so good that we're going to get like copyright infringed. Are we going to be on the Disney farm? I, oh, yeah. I, I would actually take a role in these shows. Yeah. I, I, like, if you, like if you're listening, Disney, and you want a, 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 an adult to play a dad or a young dad or a single father, I'm totally up for that. Like, I imagine it's, like, decent money just just show up, say lines. Like, can, even if you got the line wrong, they probably go, let's go, let's move on, who cares? I'm also 23, and I could pass for around 16. I'd that, say you pass for 14, you're very young. <laughs> that's perfect for Disney. Exactly. That should be right up your street. But High School Musical took over the world. It did, as in, like, you couldn't go anywhere seeing yeah. the merchandise, hearing the songs. It's almost like Frozen is today. Yep, and it was uh, a big vehicle for Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens. Both of which went on to like like Vanessa Hudgens kind of moderate fame at the moment, but she, I think she's kind of focusing on stage at the moment. Yeah, so she she's doing okay for herself. But Zac Efron is like 
the the young male film star of today. Yeah, and you see you see Corbin Blue here and there. Yeah, he's still around, and yeah. actually Tisdale still works. He's still, I think he's more of a stage actor as well. Perhaps. Yeah. And I was watching Camp Rock recently, Ken. We were watching together. Yeah, we were watching Did you forget bits and pieces of it. Did you forget I was there? I forgot you, yeah. I was yeah. So, so enthralled by the Joe Bros that I forgot you existed. Yeah. And it reminds me of a lot of these shows, like the, the lead kind of villain is just someone who's just an irrationally mean, horrible human being. Yeah. Like there's, there's a song in Camp Rock where the, the lead bad person spends the entire time singing about how horrible she is and how she's above everyone else and how everyone should do her bidding and just give up opposing her love me because i will make you love me yeah and these it's it's a really busy i like camp rock and i like the joe bros yeah it's it's camp rock is one of their better ones but it's like like as you said it's like a really one-dimensional plot one one-dimensional uh, villain like the plot is that she goes to the camp because her mother works there as a cook but she pretends not to know the mother and pretends to be there because she paid to be there. And she's like the plucky underdog and the quiet one who naturally the big star falls in love with. But instead, she's like horrible to her mother, pretending she doesn't know her and being false to kind of fall in with the cool crowd. And she's like, why should I like you? Why you don't respect your mother enough to, to, to even acknowledge her existence? Even though she broke her back to get you into this yeah. music camp she's that you love. She's literally spending all day working just so you can frolic around pretending not to know her. You horrible human being. And, and like at the end, she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry for that." Yeah. Oh, we're hugging and learning, and everyone gets along. I hate and it. and at the end, uh, go back to Selena Gomez, which is a way of the place. She gets everything she wants. Yeah, I hate that as like a plot device. You saw it all the time in Glee, yeah. where these people would do horrible things and be horrible people, but once they learn their lesson in the end, that's fine. Surely they should have known in the first place not to be horrible human beings. Yeah, and it's just, and then and then they get the big role or they get the, the thing yeah, and they, they get like, their happy ending when they thoroughly didn't deserve it it's like why do i want you to succeed you're horrible yeah you're, stop you're... being mean to your mother who's working hard to give you everything you want oh oh like like and like and then uh, you you watch things like uh lemonade man which had a good message it's just like they kind of uh ostracized people come together to create something good it's kind of like the breakfast club except with a happier ending rather than everyone yeah. just sitting there miserably talking about how terrible they are and then going their separate ways yeah <laughs> But like, a little bit of glimmer of hope, I think, at the end of the Breakfast Club. We won't be too harsh on it. Uh, Lemonade Mouth was about a, a band of misfits who all like music, who all, somehow all of them end up in detention together. Yeah. And that's how it is. It's a contrived little setup. Yeah. It's like, oh, all these all these outcasts and people who are frustrated with their personal lives end who up in the same room. are all musicians as well. Yeah, all end up in the same room. And they do that thing where they're just sitting there in detention and they start like tapping the table and suddenly mm. they break into song. It's like, oh God, yeah. I like Lemonade. I, I still have Lemonade Mouth so songs on my iPod. Though. And, and they're just like, wait, you like music? I also like music. But like, but you're different from me, so we can't hang out together. Wait a second. I've grown to love you through our music. We're best friends now, and now we're uh, a hugely successful touring band. There's not going to be a sequel, though. That disappointed yeah. me. There was although, supposed to be a sequel at one stage. Yeah, although the end of the, the, the film kind of teased the fact that they, in, in the end, they became this big band. Yeah. So I don't they know where they wrapped up their story. I don't know where they could have gone with it. I, I was looking through like the list of films, and you saw that they were nearly exclusively just random films with random plots serving solely as vehicles for their latest star yeah but like, i suppose you could say that's the same with any hollywood film that is true but like certain hollywood films like terminator genesis what is that other than trying to irony. cash in on an irony in a franchise that yeah. people know what it is exactly so whereas like lemon made mouth blatantly is uh it's a, it's a vehicle for bridget mendler yeah 
Uh, Kenneth hasn't gone where, anywhere after. She, she's, not, not as much. No, I think she's she's in a sitcom somewhere on one of those, <laughs> those stations. Nobody innocuous watches. channels that nobody has. Yeah, Camp Rock is uh, a vehicle for Demi Lovato and the Joe Bros. I think they do pretty well. Yeah. Except Kevin Jonas didn't do all that well on the Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. I think he lasted two weeks. Kevin Jonas just like that's because he was a rock star. Didn't go to school. Yeah. Should have gone to school. Jonas he, Jonas wasn't a bad show actually. I didn't watch much of Jonas. It wasn't terrible. It was like it was like. Literally, all it was is a vehicle for them, but I just enjoy them anyway. So I like the Joe Bros. They're cool. I miss Joe Bros. Come back. Hashtag come back, Joe Bros. Yeah. So, Gert, that was our spotlight for this week. I, I, I'm thoroughly enjoyed talking about these shows, which we still watch. We watch far too much of. It's just like, I, I, I was going to say, like, oh, I, all these shows I used to watch, I still watch them. So I watch gonna... most of Good Luck Charlie. I watch too much of Ant Farm. It's just, it's just because, like, you, you sit down in the afternoon and, like, like, yeah, I could watch Breaking Bad and have to, like, engage my brain. And actually have to think hard about, like, very complicated, socially aware plots. But then, or I could watch this and just be like, yeah, they're singing and dancing. Stupid children things. And, like, and then rage, like, have a bit of, like, a rage about how, 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 how shallow and vacuous they are. And how terrible every which way is. And how, like, I am a much better adult than any of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably write a better television show. I could write a, I could write this better. But, like, nobody wants you to write it better. They, they literally do not care. It's yep. just like, churn it out. That's not what this is for. This Once is... it's on time and on budget, that's all they really care about. Exactly. Like, you, like the, the screen go black for 10 seconds, and they'd be like, no, it's, move. it's, it's fine. Yeah, we'll just say there's something. Lights turned out, I don't know. Yeah, and we'll just do a voiceover. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to share your favorites and take us to task over any shows or movies that we've omitted on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK or on Twitter at TWSKK. We're getting a serious lack of love on social media, guys. Yeah, we're plugging it to death. Come on, throw us us a tweet. Come say hello. We won't won't bite and we will follow you and retweet you. And then you'll feel happy about yourself because that apparently sets off things in your brain. Apparently there's a study done about that, that, you know, the the clink that Facebook does now. Yeah. That's done to, like, engage your brain to make you feel good about, like, being interactive with people on the internet. Facebook are devious. Yeah, they're changing us. And, like, I saw another thing that, that, like, you know that rainbow profile photo that everybody adopted? Yeah. They actually use that to mine information from people. Oh, that's typical of them, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But that's besides the point. We'll be right back to say so long. Take it away, Bruce. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download every Sunday at soundcloud.com slash the weekend show. Okay, Mouseketeers, if you're out there listening, thank you for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can find a new episode every Sunday at soundcloud.com forward slash the weekend show and all good podcast providers, including iTunes. Hashtag RIP Steve Jobs. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK or on Twitter at TWSKK. Please, we're begging you. Do it. We're nice people. We will give you a euro for every time, for every like and follow. And then we will somehow find a way to renege on that agreement. Yep. Or, no, let's, let's, let's not commit money because we, we, we haven't got any advertising budget. We'll all the money into the podcast. Yeah, so uh, we, we, we will mention your name on the podcast. We'll also give you free hugs. We'll reach free hugs. We'll send them in the post. We'll put them in a stamp against envelope and you open it and, and hugs get, will come out. Hugs will come out. Anyway, this wrap up is getting quite long, so let's, let's take it home. Our theme music is by Mr. Drawn, and until next time, say goodbye, Gar. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody.